Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. This is Patty Holstrand, and this is KWOD Radio, and we're on live today. And we got Mac, Jonathan Maxwell back with us today, and we're going to talk about his uh, other book, The Murderous Intellectuals. We had talked to him um, probably about a month ago uh, about his other book, um, and so we are definitely going to focus on his, his uh, he wanted to talk more about The Murderous Intellectuals, which is also a book that he had gotten an award for, uh, with 2011 All Books Review Editor's Choice Award in the category of Best Nonfiction Book. His second book, Pilled Down Man, which is the one that we talked about the other day, uh, and Pilled Down Man and Other Hoaxes, has recently been debuted and is highly light-hearted examination of scientific frauds through history. Obviously, the first book is definitely going to be a lot heavier. Are you there, Jonathan? Yes. Hey, Jonathan, how are you doing? I'm fine. How are you? Good. Now we we I know we talked before, but some people may not have heard any information about you, so introduce yourself for us. Uh, well, there's uh, not much to, to say, really. Uh, I've always loved uh, books, and I've always loved uh, writing. I have a, uh, a BA in English from uh, Berry College, and I'm currently getting my uh, Master's of English at uh, Jacksonville State in uh, in Alabama. And uh, Murderous Intellectuals actually came out in uh, uh, November of uh, 2009, and uh, Piltdown Man, the... Uh, uh, the, the follow-up uh, came out uh, in April of this year, so I've, I've been uh, I've been pretty busy. <laughs> well, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. And uh, oh, I know sure. we're, we're going to talk more about what your next stuff is coming up. But uh, we have talked quite a bit about Piltdown Man. So explain to our viewers what that book's about. Uh, well, it's uh, it's a look at uh, scientific frauds uh, through history. Uh, I touch upon uh, such subjects as uh, Bigfoot, uh, Loch Ness, uh, the Abominable Snowman, uh, sea monsters, uh, crop circles, uh, a whole uh, variety of things. Uh, the, the book it, it stemmed from my lifelong interest uh, in such subjects. Uh, I've, I've always been interested in, in uh, this sort of phenomenon. Uh, I, from the age of, I don't know, uh, eight or nine, I was reading books about all this stuff. And I, I knew that some someday I would write a book about these topics. But uh, it's interesting because uh, the point of view that I have now, it's much different from the one I had um, that I had as a, as a kid, you know, growing up. Right. Uh, then it was just all about the excitement and the, the mystery. Uh, 
my my views are you know radically different now. I guess I have a much more adult perspective. Uh, indeed, the uh, the tone of the book is often you know very skeptical, very cynical. I, I'm not denying that. Uh, these mysteries, there's not anything to them. I, I'm just suggesting to people that they, you know, uh, you know, they need to, to view such things, you know, with a skeptical eye. Right. Uh, you don't want to breed, uh, you know, irrationality, which I think is a, a big problem nowadays. Yeah, we had discussed a lot of things that they show on television. And oh, sure, how, absolutely. And and how uh, outrageous they are. In order to get viewers, <laughs> uh, especially sure. the ghost uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, a TV has has become a really big uh, culprit, and, and what's most disappointing is many of the, the channels that display these kinds of uh, uh, pseudosciences are, you know, supposedly you know educational channels. Uh, you know, the History Channel, uh, the Learning Channel, uh, Discovery. Uh, even the uh, the Animal Planet. Uh, I uh, I watched on uh, Animal Planet this documentary about uh, mermaids uh, being discovered, and they even offered uh, you know uh, television footage of uh, mermaids being caught. And uh, <laughs> the thing was, it was just so obviously it was computer generated. Uh, but this show, it was supposed to be completely serious. And uh, you know, it was uh, it was about the fact that the mermaids had indeed been found, and the reason why the average uh, person is not hearing about these amazing discoveries is because of uh, some sort of uh, government uh, conspiracy. Oh, wow. uh, you know, why governments would be trying to, uh, uh, you know. Um, uh, keeping under wraps of the the fact that mermaids have been found that that was never you know satisfactorily explained but uh, <laughs> you know regardless you know it, it was obviously a hoax and yet so many people are so easily swayed by uh, things that are obviously hoaxes and uh, all you need to do is show a little bit of fact and and then they skew everything else and you've got people who believe it. Oh, oh, sure, absolutely. And uh, one big problem is the fact that, you know, a lot of Animal Planet's viewers uh, are children. And the, the way kids are nowadays is that when they see something on television, especially if it's a documentary type of program, they just immediately assume that this stuff is true. So uh, when, when they see uh, a TV show on an educational channel, Mm-hmm. Uh, that's uh, trying to prove that mermaids, you know, do exist, uh, despite the fact that uh, a human-fish hybrid is completely impossible. But it, but if they see a series like that, that that's claiming that mermaids are in fact real, chances are a lot of these kids are going to believe it. And so, you know, uh, again, we, we touched on this earlier, but a lot of people, you know, particularly young people, are being seriously misled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's just, again, so much of it out there. Why do you think that people are latching on to things that aren't real? Uh, I I think part of the problem, uh, and and this is very ironic, uh, modern communications, 
uh, you would assume that modern technology, uh, it, it would prove that people are advancing intellectually. But that doesn't seem to be the case at all. It, it seems like the hoaxers are actually using cutting-edge technology to uh, spread false information. Uh, you know, the, the Internet ha has really played a, uh, a major role uh, in, in spreading hoaxes. Uh, uh, personally, I, I think we have another, you know, golden age of, of hoaxes coming up, thanks in part to the, uh, the Internet. Uh, only uh, a year, maybe a year and a half ago, uh, this happened in, in my home state of, of Georgia, uh, two uh, men claimed that they had uh, shot a Bigfoot, and they were showing it. You know, they made a video and they they uh, posted it on uh, YouTube, and it, it was obviously that this was a guy in a gorilla suit. But you know, the the thing went viral, uh, and uh, eventually these two men became uh, mini celebrities. Um, and, uh, you know, they actually disappointed millions of people out there because so many people, they, they just want to believe so badly that some sort of unknown ape is wandering around uh, North America. They they really dashed the uh, hopes and dreams of a lot of people, but I, I don't think they care. They, they were looking to get their 15 minutes of fame, and, and right. that's exactly what they got. Exactly, and and that's a lot. A lot of people out there are trying to do that. So they make up things or they sensationalize it. Oh sure, a absolutely. So the the internet and and cable TV, you know, they're playing major roles in uh, uh, you know presenting you know false information. Right. And a lot of people, you know, they're uh, you know they're believing it. Recently, um, I saw a video on. Uh, the so-called zombie attack in Florida. Oh yeah, and, <laughs> I'm sure you're probably not sure if you saw it, but uh, from a camera view that was uh, you know close to the the bridge, you could see you know kind of two two pairs of legs, but that's all you could see. And so you know here they are making this fact based on you know you know. Two men found on the bridge. Uh, one of them, one of them's dead, or both of them dead. Actually, both of them, both of them are dead. Ask you a sure. So, um, so they, uh, you know, here they're making it reality. Uh, they they had no real proof to show. All they could show was, you know, something that was you know, part partly it could have been anybody. Um, where was where was the proof? I saw no blood. I saw no evidence of of it actually being a zombie. And if he was biting somebody, it had nothing to do with um, being a zombie. <laughs> so, oh, oh, sure. But it, we're so easy to you know. So oh my gosh, you know the zombies really are they're coming. They're coming true. They're they're going to be you know any day we're going they're going to be walking around like the you know the living dead and. Uh, He's been like people, you know. There's got to be something more to that uh, than we're seeing. And you guys need to ask the questions instead of asking the questions. They're assuming that it's true. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, that that reminds me that a, a few years ago, you know, Monster Quest, uh, a, a series on uh, the History Channel, 
documentary series was uh, actually uh, exploring a, a werewolf uh, mystery in the United States. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, it, it's funny because In Search of, I don't, I don't know if, if you remember that, that, that was a yeah, show hosted that. by Leonard Nimoy uh, that, that was on, I don't know, late 70s, uh, early to mid-80s. Yeah. And they did a, a show on werewolves, but they presented it as legend. And they were trying to, you know, explain why the werewolf myth uh, originated. But uh, this show on Monster Quest actually featured people who had claimed to uh, uh, seen werewolves, including uh, people who were uh, slowly changing into wolves. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that just really shows how irrational our contemporary society is is becoming. Uh, it, it's basically an impossibility for a human to turn into a, a wolf. I, I mean, it's just not scientifically possible. And and further, you know, there, there's no evidence to suggest that it could be happening. But uh, I, again. Uh, I think ultimately what's what's prompting these sorts of series is because they're proven money makers. Mm-hmm. Uh, shows mm-hmm. like uh, Ancient Aliens, even though they're not really shows about science or history, you know, they they always get uh, you know big ratings just because of the the uh, sensationalism, you know, out okay. there. Mm-hmm. And I I think that the people who are putting on these programs, uh, they're putting one thing, I don't think they believe in this stuff, but they put it on anyway because, you know, they're, they're going to make money on it. For it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 But, but, I, I, but again, I, you know, you have a lot of gullible people out there who's, who's actually, you know, buying this stuff. Well, you know, I was thinking about this since the last time we talked. And I was thinking that you're saying that we become more. Uh, where we're believing these things more, I don't think it. I don't think that we're believing them more now, because you know uh, countries were full of superstitious. You know they they have their superstitions uh, really rampant in every country, and you've got you know your 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 town people who believe that the castle up in the top of the hill is is not only haunted but has a a vampire. You know it's. <laughs> sure. Or or the 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 cabin at the end of the road, um, you know they had a family who was massacred, so uh, you know they they got you know a killer running loose over there. So it's you're going to have this folklore, I guess that's a good word for it, um, in, in every country throughout history. So I'm not sure if we believe it more now. I think that obviously media is causing. Us more more of us to see these things instead of keeping them local. We're now seeing yeah. them outside of our local area. Yeah, well, uh, you know, until I wrote my book, yeah, I would have, you know, agreed with you. But uh, after doing the research, my my personal feeling is that is that we're just drifting into uh, an era of irrationality. I, I don't know if it's Disenchantment with a society uh, that that just seems to be dull or you know uninspiring, but it, it seems like you know in the past and and sure 
you know, there's always been folklore, but the vast majority of people, uh, and this, I guess this went on until maybe the late 1960s, what have you, they, they did not confuse folklore with reality. But uh, these days you, you, you see that all the time. Uh, people who just assumed it because these stories are old, you know, they, they have to be true. Uh, it, it's like, uh, you know, the legend of the vampire has existed for probably before the birth of Christ. Uh, and, and they just assume that because these legends are old, somehow they, they have to be true, which is, you know, uh, which is bogus. But a lot of people don't seem to realize that. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, if you look at history... Um you know, Vladimir the Impaler was a monster in the sense that he killed people unnecessarily. So, sure. you know, that, that that doesn't make him a vampire. <laughs> no, no, not not at all. Not at all. But, uh, yeah, a, a lot of people are confusing folklore and, and myth with reality, and, and, and that can be a scary thing. Uh, a lot of people find it amusing that so many people nowadays they believe in ghouls and, and goblins and, and ghosts and all that. Uh, mm-hmm. And again, I'm not saying firmly that you know these entities don't exist. I think it's highly unlikely. But um, uh, you know, I, I I think we are drifting into an age of irrationality, and I, I find it scary because irrationalism can can breed some pretty ugly things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you yeah. know, for one thing, uh, werewolf hunts, uh, witch trials, right. you know, what have you. I mean, remember what happened, you know, back in Salem, Massachusetts. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, uh, you know, if, if you're not using, you know, rationality, suddenly anything becomes possible. All things are possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes that's not such a good thing. I mean, there's not much of a leap in saying, you know what, uh, werewolves, they exist. And there's not much of a leap to saying, well, you know, all Jews are bad. Do you see where I'm going with this? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Irrationality can just take so many forms. Mm -hmm. And, like, the irrationality concerning the Jews, you know, led to the Holocaust. So, you know, it's not necessarily, you know, so amusing. Uh, Sometimes irrationality, I I mean, it's, it's a very, very scary thing. Uh, Particularly when people, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to tie those, you know, what people are believing in, um, and then you have the opposite way. I've heard of many who don't even believe the Holocaust even even came to pass, and I'm going, how can you not believe something that that's not only in the history books but it is blatantly you know, it's scripted almost a lot of places. There's a lot of proof for it, yet you'll believe, you know, that Bigfoot is in your backyard. <laughs> yeah. Right? You know, it's so skewed. you got people who won't believe something that definitely happened. Uh, same thing, you know, goes with, you know, uh, people who who believe that we did never, we never landed on the moon. Yeah. Oh, sure, sure. <laughs> I can, you know, there, there's there's no uh, real uh, proof of us not being there, and yet there is proof that there is that we were there, 
why would we possibly make that into the biggest hoax possible? There's no real reason for it. The same thing with with the Holocaust. Why would we say, why would we make that stuff up? And yet there's so many people who were proven to have died at that time. Uh, I came to the conclusion that, you know, again, it's all wish, you know, uh, wish fulfillment. Uh, you know, they, they believe uh, what they want to believe because the alternative just seems to be so painful. I, I, I think with a lot of these uh, individuals, a, a lot of them, uh, you know, they had ancestors who lived in Germany at the time. And uh, I, I think a lot of it was just fear that, that maybe their uh, ancestors, that members of their own family, you know, were involved in genocide. And they, they don't want to believe in the the Holocaust because um, uh, it's too painful. They they don't want to uh, admit to the fact that maybe members of their own family, mm-hmm. uh, the ancestors, right. you know, committed absolutely brutal things. Right. That would make uh, that, gra- that would make Grandpa a monster. Yeah, I'm absolutely <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's, that's too close to yeah. that. Now that, that that doesn't explain all of uh, Holocaust deniers, but uh, it, it does explain, you know, uh, it, it, at least some of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a lot of uh, people they they want to believe that the white race just could not have committed, you know, anything that uh, that horrific. Mm-hmm. But it, you're right. Uh, World War Two and the Holocaust are probably the the two most widely documented uh, events in human history. So uh, it, it is very, very, you know, uh, bizarre that these uh, Holocaust deniers are, are out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, what really concerns me is that um, uh, the numbers just seem to be growing. Mm. Uh, I, I remember when I was uh, researching um, you know, for the Holocaust, you know, on the Internet. And uh, you would Google the word Holocaust. And I, I was absolutely shocked by how many um, Holocaust denial websites there were. Mm. And yeah. uh, w- what also surprised me was that um, the content on these websites uh, was actually very, very sophisticated, uh, the writing was fairly good. Uh, the uh, the graphics were were very good. If a high school child was to stumble upon these websites, and because they are so sophisticated, uh, they might have doubts that the Holocaust, you know, actually uh, existed. Uh, just because these uh, websites uh, look so professional. Uh, we we like to think that uh, neo Nazis, you know, they're, they're just uh, uh, stupid hooligans without any education, mm-hmm. uh, who can't uh, read or write, or you know, they're they're basically just laughable. You know, that that's not the case at all. No. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the uh, one of the the, the founders of uh, the neo Nazi movement in America. Uh, he wrote the uh, the Turner Diaries. I can't think of his name, but uh, he was you know far from the stereotype. You know he possessed a uh, a doctorate. We're talking about a very well educated man. Right. 
And and we do hear a lot about actually the the Nazis and the you know the SS specifically being very uh, intelligent, well educated people. So you know, uh, it, it only goes to show that you know if if they're if they're following a line of succession, and that we still have you know you know families from from them now, and they've got you know the their own uh, websites. Yeah, they're going to look professional because these are professional people. Yeah, unfortunately, a lot of them. Uh, I, I remember when I was, uh, you know, sending out uh, emails to uh, you know radio hosts. I'm sure you're familiar with the process. You have a book to promote, so you send out uh, emails talking about your your book to uh, mm-hmm. to radio hosts. And uh, radio hosts are, are generally people who have a lot of you know influence, uh, and they're they're usually uh, very articulate, you know, often well educated. And uh, I, I received an email back from this uh, individual. Uh, he told me straight up. Uh, that he would not have me on his show uh, because I was uh, in, uh, uh, a Jewish propagandist, <laughs> and and I asked him, you know, you know, why would I be a Jewish propagandist? And uh, he sent me an email saying that uh, everybody knows that the Holocaust was a myth. Uh huh. Which yeah. is very very chilling. Yeah, uh, particularly because th- this was a man. His his uh, his show was about books. All right, all right. This is obviously a, a man who's who's well educated. Uh, you know, a certain level of refinement. But uh, you know, he's going on air telling his listeners that you know the Holocaust was a myth. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was very very chilling. And uh, you know, this is a person with a certain level of of influence. Yeah, and you know because he's a member of the media, uh, you know people are going to believe him. Right, right. Although I think sometimes we see where uh, that particular authority has been abused, especially recently. Oh, oh sure, absolutely, absolutely. And, yeah, we do. We do tend to to believe people, but uh, I think part of that is is changing. This uh, is I start questioning what our uh, journalists are saying, which is it should have been a long time ago, but <laughs> but yeah. you know it, it should be done now. And uh, because again, as soon as they open their mouth, they 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 say things that aren't true, or they make it appear as if you know they know what you're talking about when they don't. So I totally agree with you. I understand what you're talking about there. That's um, and that's a shame because you know. It, if he's he's going to spread something like that, he, he technically shouldn't be spread at all. Um, I'm surprised that uh, some some people in journalism like that don't watch a little closer what they say and how they say it. Yeah, Consid- and considering the true happiness of some people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I think what I found most chilling was, was the fact that th- this guy was a true believer. He wasn't just trying to be outrageous. Yeah. Uh, mm. Yeah, th- that I found very, very scary. And did, but uh, he didn't really have any proof, though, did he? He just, just, just blind faith that the Holocaust isn't real. Yeah, yeah, that that, that was it. 
And, and it, it's very, very interesting. You know, I, I, I'm a Southerner. I was born in Georgia, raised in Georgia. You know, I, I have uh, relatives uh, who, to this day, in, insist that, you know, the Civil War had absolutely nothing to do with slavery, you know, which is right. just a massive <laughs> misconception. And I and I think that's, that, that, again, is... Uh, you know, you're not comfortable with the truth, so you just try to deny the truth. Mm. Uh, a lot of uh, whites uh, in the South, uh, particularly older ones, they they don't want to accept the, the fact that, uh, you know, maybe their ancestors were slave owners, uh, maybe they were segregationists, mm. uh, you know, what, what have you. So I, I'm very much, you know, used to this. Uh, you know um, this blatant, you know disregard for for the truth. Mm. Uh, you know you, you're not comfortable with the truth, so you know you you deny it as, as much as you can. And it, it's it's just interesting. The, the more you give them evidence, uh, the more shrill uh, they become uh, about denying, you know, the evidence. It, it it just seems to uh spur them on all the more. Right. Right. And um I'm gonna take a slight break here and, and let everybody know that you can call in. Uh the guest call number is seven one four two four two five one four five. I know a lot of you are listening to this show after the fact, so why not, you know, listen to them now and call in and ask questions or comment. You know, it should not just be a two-sided thing. Here we definitely have the phone open, and that's what it's there for. So 714-242-5145, please call on and, and let us know what you think about our subjects. Now, I wanted to go over with you um, where you found you know, the Murderous Intellectuals came out a few years ago, and how did you go about deciding this is the subject you wish to talk about, and then how did you do the research? Uh, well, as far as the uh, the research, it, it, it wasn't particularly you know glamorous. I did go to the Holocaust Museum in uh, in Washington D.C., which was uh, a very moving experience. Most of the time, I just spent in libraries, and I, I'm sure that a lot of authors, you know, particularly nonfiction authors, uh, you know, they can uh, relate to that. Uh, I, I always had an interest in the Holocaust. I'm not exactly sure why. Uh, by the time I was in high school, you know, I was reading book after book about uh, the Holocaust. And, you know, as, as wonderful as these books were, you know, I, I saw uh, uh, a problem that I thought was uh, that had never really been addressed before. Uh, you know, the, the popular stereotype of the Nazi, it was, you know, some sort of uh, mindless thug who generally lived on the... Uh, fringes of society, but, you know, as I was researching about the Nazis, I, I found so many who did not, you know, fit the profile. Uh, these were individuals who came from the uh, middle class, uh, some of them came from the uh, upper class. Uh, some were, you know, uh, superbly educated. They actually possessed, you know, advanced degrees, and uh, I had so much curiosity about this, but but no author seemed to 
really explored in depth. So uh, eventually, you know, I just decided to, to write a, a book about the uh, the topic myself. And uh, what I I found was pretty amazing. Uh, originally, I was just going to uh, uh, address maybe you know ten prominent Nazis. Uh, you know, who at the same time were intellectuals, but at the same time, people who were murderers and torturers and, and sadists. But, you know, I, I literally found, you know, thousands of these types of of, of individuals. Uh, the SS, or the Schutzstaffel, uh, the group that spearheaded the Holocaust, was actually a, a very, very Illegal organization. Uh, one third of their their officers, you know, possessed uh, a bachelor's degree. This was at a time when maybe, you know, two percent of the German population or the European population had any sort of, uh, you know, college training. So we're actually talking about, you know, a, a very elite organization, and it was uh, full of uh, doctors and lawyers and. And uh, scientists and, and educators—it's—it's uh, it's not at all what what you would expect. So um, you spend a lot of time in libraries. Any specific uh, library in your town, or did you have to go outside of the country? Did you have to look up things outside? You know, in Germany. Uh, a, a little bit, but uh, you know, most of the the books that I uh, I use, they just came from uh, local libraries, libraries in, uh, in Carswell, Georgia, which is nearby, uh, Rome, Georgia. Uh, I, I uh, found some good materials in uh, Mobile, Alabama. I was staying there for a little while, uh, but uh, yeah, mostly it was just you know very very unglamorous work, just. Uh, <laughs> A lot of uh, you know hard work in, in libraries. You know, it, it's not something that's all that interesting to talk about. Right. But it, you know, it, it's something that, that has to be done. Right. Exactly. I was talking about that. Kind of like archaeology, where I spent a lot of time in the library instead of not not really out there actually uh, digging up anything. <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah. And so it's the same thing. Authors have to spend a lot of time to, uh, you know, research their subjects before they can put it out in book. So especially if that with people who don't believe what you're saying, do you keep um, a lot of information like uh, you know, referenced so that way, if anybody really comes, you know, gets belligerent with you, can you you go back and show them, uh, you know, send them some of the documentation on that? Or do oh, you? Oh yeah. Uh, oh no, I, I was always very, very careful with uh, you know the documentation. Uh, that, that's that's one thing. Uh, the Holocaust is just something. If you're presenting a history of it, you know you you need to get the facts right uh, because uh, you know if you're careless with the information, you're, you're really dishonoring all the people who died during the Holocaust or, or all the people who suffered during the Holocaust. So you, you know you want to get your facts right. So I know one of the questions that someone asked me to ask you is did what happened to Hitler or what was your theory? Uh you, you mean uh, did, did Hitler die in the uh, the bunker? Right. 
Oh yeah, uh, that, that that's another major hoax. We, we can't seem to get away from hoaxes. Um, uh, he had a, a, a you know uh, a suicidal uh, wish. Uh, he knew that the uh, the Third Reich, you know, it was uh, done for. Uh, Russian soldiers were only uh, um, not even a mile away, maybe a, a quarter of a mile. So uh, he actually wrote a, a suicide letter, uh, and uh, you know uh, his wife took uh, poison, and uh, then he killed himself with a, uh, a handgun. And uh, SS officers, uh, they uh, burned Hitler's body and they burned uh, his uh, wife's body. And and this has all been fairly uh, documented. Uh, There there is a little mystery about what happened to the the remains of Hitler. Some believe that the, uh, the Russians were able to find the burnt remains. Uh, and um, and just uh, you know try to uh, conceal the facts. Uh, there is some uh, evidence there. There's not a lot of it, but uh, there is evidence that they might have found the uh, the charred remains. Uh, but as far as Hitler mistaking, as far as Hitler faking his own death, there's, there's absolutely no evidence for that. Uh, Hitler's uh, mental health was in serious decline. Uh, living in the, uh, the bunker, knowing that uh, the Russians and the, uh, the Americans and the British were overriding Germany and there was no hope uh, for the Third Reich, uh, he was terrified uh, that the, uh, the Russians would uh, get him uh, while alive. Uh, he was uh, very much afraid that his fate would be very much like uh, Benito Mussolini, uh, who was, uh, you know, basically lynched. And, uh, you know, where, where was he going to go? You know, the uh, the Russians were moving in from the east. Uh, the British and the Americans were moving in from the west. Uh, he was trapped in this, you know, uh, suffocating uh, the bunker, where was he going to go? Right. So uh, basically the only way out for him was, was suicide, which, which he took. Well, you know, if you're going to kill that many people, it's, 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 you know, he obviously had no uh, worries or cares about his about humanity or his own humanity. So, you know, it was pretty easy for him, I think, to take his own life at that point. I mean, like you said, he was caught on all sides at that point. Yeah. Uh, you know, there, there wasn't much, uh, you know, hope for Hitler. And the same can be uh, said for most of the other uh, major uh, Nazi figures. Uh, now, Joseph Bangla was an exception. You know, he did manage to get away. In fact, uh, quite a number of SS officers were able to get away. Uh, but uh, Joseph Bangla, uh, during the war, he was actually a very, very obscure figure. Uh, um, 
he, you know, uh, contrary to popular myth, he never associated with uh, Hitler. Hitler probably had no idea who he was. Uh, he was uh, basically just an officer who was operating at the uh, the middle management levels. You know, he wasn't uh, a top figure like uh, right. Hitler or Himmler or, or Goering. Uh, you know, he really wasn't on the, the radar at, at the time. So, uh, actually, a great number of uh, less well-known Nazi officers were able to escape. But uh, individuals like uh, Himmler or uh, Hitler, it was very, very hard for them, you know, to escape just because basically everybody knew who they were. And everybody was well aware of the serious crimes that they had committed. Uh, so in, in a lot of in a lot of ways, you know, it's it's rather um, uh, misleading to try to uh, group someone like Mengele in with the Hitler. So you you know this book that murderous intellectuals is a, is a seri- more serious apparently more serious where you're saying that your Piltdown man and other hoaxes was more lighthearted. Uh, yeah, basically anything is lighthearted after you you know written a book about the Holocaust. Um, <laughs> What's your? I, I I have to admit uh, as much as I enjoyed uh, researching and writing murderous intellectuals. Uh, the whole project left me exhausted. Uh, all the guys with the subject matter was just so depressing that uh, once, you know, uh, I promoted the book heavily for about three years, and uh, I don't know, I, I just wanted to uh, to move on, really. And uh, part of the reasons why I wrote Hilton Man and Other Hopes is just because it was such a big departure. Uh, because it, you know, was, you know, significantly more lighthearted than, you know, the first book. I, I just wanted to get away from something that was so depressing. Uh, that being said, unintentionally, I, I actually touched upon a, a number of very serious things in Piltdown Man and Other Hoaxes. You know, you know we, we're still arguing about creationism and... Uh, and religious fundamentalism, you know, who's right? Are the evolutionists correct? You know, are the religious uh, traditionalists uh, correct? Uh, we, we still talk, you know, heavily about race. Uh, so, quite uh, unintentionally, I, I stumbled into some really, really serious things and, uh, and built down many other hoaxes. But, but, yeah, in comparison with my first book, yeah, it, it was a big departure. Uh, maybe not, uh, you know, actually, but, you know, it's, it's probably strong, I, I suppose. Huh. Well, what's next for you now that you have talked about Holocaust and now you've talked about, uh, you know, a lot of uh, hoaxes? What's next for you? Uh, right now I'm uh, promoting my second book uh, very heavily. I had a, a radio interview uh, last night, a uh, radio interview tonight, and this is actually more about murder for Lancel, but uh, I've got another interview you know, tomorrow night, so uh, I'm staying busy. 
it's funny. Uh, sometimes just the marketing and the promoting of your book uh, really improves that, that stress is uh, demanding is researching and, and writing. Hmm. I know you're you're finishing out school, so uh, does what you're writing uh, are, are you able to use it in your studies? Oh, sure, absolutely. Uh, but uh, uh, you know, even with all my experience as a writer, I, I still find uh, uh, the work to be very, very challenging. I, to tell you the truth, the first couple of months I was in grad school, I, I always just, I, I rather felt uh, shell shocked by the whole experience, just by you know how demanding the uh, the workload is. But you know, it's been very, very satisfying. And uh, this fall semester is going to be my last uh, semester. Uh, on the one hand, I'm very much looking forward to it because I want to go ahead and get my uh, my doctorate. But mm-hmm. at the same time, you know, I would just uh, like to stay where I am uh, just because I, I find classes uh, so enjoyable. Hmm. I am finding you online. I already I went ahead and put up your Facebook page so everyone can uh, you know find you. And I'm going to be putting up your website here. Not the Maxwell Studios. That's, that's not you, is it? Oh <laughs> uh, no, no. It's got Maxwell. It's, yeah. Um, where do they find your books other than the Amazon? Um, Barnes and Noble. Yeah, everywhere? Yeah. Okay. Definitely going to put those up there for you. Um, we have some kind of a bad connection, so we're going to be cutting off here a little bit short, but I was hoping that it would clear up, and it's not. Um I think that there's uh, we were talked before about uh, a little more detail on on the different you know characters that you have that you've you've gone through to researched. Is there anything that you haven't researched that you thought maybe should have been in the book? Uh, it was the the, uh, the first one or the, uh, the second one? I would say the the filth down man. Um. That, that was definitely the uh, Scientology, which is really, is, is, is really in the news right now because uh, uh, Terry Holmes you know, left Tom Cruise, and more than likely it was because of uh, Scientology, which is actually you know a, a very, very bizarre organization. I, I would definitely refer to it as a as a cult, and uh, not only as, as a cult, but also as uh, a hoax, because uh, the, the founder of uh, Scientology was a science fiction writer, and he actually told uh, an audience that, um, you know, writing for a pulp magazine was... Uh, was a stupid thing to do if uh, a man really wants to uh, become rich, 
he should start his own religion. Now, at the time, everybody thought he was just joking, but uh, you, you know what? He, he wasn't. He actually did start his own uh, religion that uh, now has uh, probably at least 100,000 followers, although officially Scientology says that uh, they're more than 10 million followers. Uh, I, I think it's actually much, much smaller. But uh, I, I, I've been doing some research on Scientology, and uh, it's actually been just an absolute uh, massive uh, fraud. Uh, it looks like that Elrond Hubbard was uh, just uh, a complete charlatan. Uh, he uh, made um, uh, he made a fortune by selling uh, a fraudulent uh, religion, and uh, most of his claims are just obviously uh, so uh, bogus. Uh, it's amazing that anybody uh, you know can. Uh, believe them, but uh, apparently a lot of people do. But uh, in his book, uh, Dynetics, he claimed that uh, if you adopt my religion, uh, you know, you can uh, kill yourself of cancer, you can kill yourself of any mental illness, uh, you can cure any sort of uh, phobia or anxiety. Uh, you know, if you spend really good money on my religion, uh, you can actually fly, you can actually, uh, uh, you know, practice uh, faith healing, uh, that you can uh, move inanimate uh, objects. And it looks, uh, you know, pretty obvious that uh, he knew that he was a hoaxer and a charlatan. But, uh, you know, he marketed something that people wanted to uh, believe in, and he made, you know, a fortune doing it. Right. And, uh, you know, he became, uh, uh, you know, he became a very famous man uh, for uh, for doing what he did. And uh, so, yeah, Scientology, I I wish I had examined that in my book. Uh, Generally, when it comes to my second book, I'm pretty satisfied with it. But, you know, there's some information that I, um, looking back on it, I I should have included. What's the difference between that genocide and some of the genocide going on right now? Uh, genocides, uh, yeah, individually there are going to be differences, but um, uh, generally genocides are, are sparked by the, the same things, and, and right now there are genocides that are supposed to be going on uh, in Tibet and in uh, Darfur for Africa. But uh, generally genocides happen when people are poor or desperate, uh, they, they don't have jobs, they're hungry, they don't know how to feed their families, and they're looking for scapegoats. That, that's really how, you know, uh, Holocaust happened. In World War II, it was the, the Jews who were the, uh, the scapegoats. Uh, in uh, Cambodia, where genocide occurred in, uh, uh, in the, the 1970s, it was supposedly... Uh, people who were allegedly uh, disloyal to the communist regime. Uh, in the um, uh, in the uh, the former, you know, Yugoslavia, you know, it was an ethnic group against ethnic group. 
we were calling you know, one another as it goes. So whenever you find, you know, hopelessness or, or powerlessness, uh, you know, there's always going to be the uh, the possibility for, for genocide. And uh, we also have to acknowledge the, the fact that uh, human beings, you know, unless it's, it's you know, countered somehow by, by our social education, uh, people can do really horrific things to one another. Yeah, uh, sometimes, you know, simply because of uh, sadistic uh, impulses. Yeah, and if you see history, that's definitely true. Uh, you know, the, the English have done a lot of things, persecuted a lot of different countries in the name of uh, civilizing them. So, uh, you know, that's, that's in history. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. If, if you look at history, you know, sadly, it just seems to be, you know, a history of managing uh, humanity to man. Uh, sometimes, well, oftentimes, uh, you know, reading about history, it, it, it's just very depressive. Uh, just because, uh, you know, human beings time and time again, you know, they've displayed their uh, inhumanity to one another. And uh, sadly, I, I, I don't think it's, it's improving. Uh, you know, we, we like to think that we're more civilized now, but if you take uh, an objective of, of accounting of what's going on right now, uh, it, it looks like, you know, we aren't progressing morally. Uh, you know, we have uh, a war going on in Afghanistan with apparently no end in sight. We did, the Americans withdrew from Iraq, but the problems in Iraq is still going on. There, there are rumors about uh, Iraq descending into uh, civil war. Uh, you know, we, we still have uh, problems with, uh, with race. In this country, in supposedly the uh, the freest country in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I don't know. You, you could argue that uh, morally we're progressing. Sadly, uh, I I don't agree with that, and I I think that the uh, the facts seem to be, you know, on my side. It was uh, kind of interesting. My my son just graduated from high school, and he spent a lot of time especially in the senior year, they they specifically uh, really delved into the Holocaust and, and, I mean, to the point where he said it, it was getting kind of ridiculous how much material they were, you know, and how many movies and how many, sh- you know, shows they were watching to prove that the, the Holocaust actually existed. And, and I talked to one of the teachers, and uh, he said that it's because they had skewed it so much that, you know, they... Uh, the kids nowadays weren't believing that it ever happened. So they have to, it's like overcompensating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, um, and I thought, well, if you thought, well, you know, I should, I should uh, bring that up to you when I, when I talk to you next. Yeah. And, uh, you know, regardless of, you know, how often it's studied, you know, the number of Holocaust denials is still growing. Uh, in part because so many of the, the witnesses, so many of the survivors, whether they were perpetrators or victims or bystanders, you know, they're, they're gone. Uh, you know, the war has been over for, you know, almost 70 years, so, 
you know, many of the, the people who participated, the uh, people who were around, you know, they're gone. Right. And uh, so, you know, you, you, you've got a problem there. But uh, the crux of it, I, I think that the big problem is a lot of people, that they don't want to see the truth because for them the, the, the truth is too painful. And because they, they find the truth so painful, you know, again, they, they just deny it. Uh, so there's something much more, you know, going on there. Uh, it's the fact that these people are, are stupid. It's just the fact that they have problems accepting truth. And if you look at history again, you see that, um, yeah, that's always been a problem. Uh, you know, even here in America, which supposedly prides itself on its, you know, transparency, uh, Americans like to believe that we're always the good guy. Now, that was the case in World War II, but uh, oftentimes, you know, sadly, Americans have been, you know, anything but the good guy. Uh, I mean, uh, look what we did to, uh, to blacks. Look at what we did to, you know, Native Americans. Uh, you know, um, the, the Americans, you know, actually practiced their own version of uh, chemical warfare to, to wipe out Indians. Uh, they would uh, visit uh, an Indian tribe, and uh, as uh, evidence of their, you know, good faith or what have you, they would present the Indian tribe with, uh, with gifts, such as blankets. And the Indians eagerly accepted these gifts and uh, uh, believed that the, uh, the whites, you know, had no, you know, malicious intentions toward them. What they didn't know is that these, these uh, blankets or what have you, these gifts, all infected with smallpox germs. And so three weeks, the Indian high tribe would be devastated. So, uh, you know, the Americans actually practice their own uh, uh, versions of chemical warfare, film warfare. Hmm. And, and, of course, that's just happening more and more often now. Yeah, absolutely. And you would think the, the technology, you know, um, because it is so advanced that technology would be used for, uh, you know, positive ends. Uh, but no, you know, that, that has been the case all too often, you know, technology, cutting-edge technology has been used to uh, kill one another. I guess the, the atomic bomb and the uh, hydrogen bomb would be, um, uh, you know, prime examples of that. And uh, another thing to prove that the, uh, the Nazis were not stupid, uh, you know, uh, the, the Nazis, uh, they were really, really innovative when it came to uh, technology. Uh, it was the, uh, the Nazis that... Uh, uh, came up, uh, you know, with the first uh, jet aircraft. Uh, they were uh, the first ones to use, you know, extensive uh, rockets. Uh, much of the of the, uh, the Americans' uh, knowledge about, you know, rockets and uh, space travel actually came from the Nazis because, you know, they were pioneering this. So you have a, a brilliant people, 
and uh, you know they uh, they're able to develop you know all this cutting edge technology, but but at the same time, I mean morally they're they're absolutely primitive. Uh, we like to think that technology and morality go hand in hand, mm. uh, but oftentimes that, that's not the case at all. Right. And that's uh, so. What would you suggest that people should be on the lookout for, uh, as far as you know, trying to sway somebody who is who doesn't believe that that the uh, that these things have come to pass. Uh, that, that, that's the problem. Oftentimes, these uh, these individuals that they're very very fanatical, uh, regardless of, of what evidence you present to them, you know they're they're going to uh, deny it. And oftentimes, their arguments, as fallacious uh, as they are, the, the arguments actually seem very very. Um, uh, sophisticated. Uh, oftentimes, you know, they present the uh, the view that uh, uh, the, the Jews are, you know, financially uh, profiting from, you know, the lie of the Holocaust. You know, and a, a lot of people are, you know, they believe it. Right. Uh, that, that's the, uh, you know, that's the tragedy of it all. Just because that uh, irrationality can be a very, very strong thing, and that these people they they are being very, very irrational. But uh, you know, again, irrationality it can be very, very strong. It can be very, very powerful. Simon Beecher, all the old uh, you know Nazi hunter, suggested that these individuals should be. Uh, satirized and uh, humiliated as often as possible. He ridiculed to make these people ashamed of their beliefs. But, uh, you know, that sort of a recourse has actually backfired because a lot of the uh, the people, uh, a lot of the, the deniers were being claimed that they were being uh, maliciously persecuted. So, you know, that tactic, uh, I guess you could say, it failed somewhat. So it's really still a mystery uh, about, you know, what to do with such people. Because, uh, you know, on the one hand, um, you know, uh, they have the First Amendment uh, right to believe what they want to believe. Right. Uh, but at the same time, you know, they're, they're lying to people. Uh, Germany actually has laws that if you deny the Holocaust publicly, you can actually go to jail. But that hasn't stopped the uh, deniers. Uh, personally, I, I think censorship in, in any form is, is bad. So, you know, I, I wish I could give you a, you know, a, a good answer, but... Uh, sadly, I, I don't think that there is one. Uh, I, I think that one of the most of the effective methods is, uh, you know, just through education. But some people they they don't want to be educated. No, they they want to believe in the hoaxes and they they want to believe that Holocaust never existed for whatever yeah. reason. Yeah, and sometimes there can be a variety of reasons. Yeah, yeah. 
I say the same thing about people who, who believe we never made it on the moon. But, you know, either, there is no swaying people who already have their swaying set. Yeah. And uh, oftentimes, I mean, their reason can appear to be uh, very, very sophisticated. No, and and they, it goes a long way for a lot of different things, including UFOs. I mean, you know, the list has gone on. Um, so there's so many things that people are are not believing in, or people are believing in, that yeah. are, you know, ludicrous, really. <laughs> yeah, crop circles are are actually uh, an excellent example. Because uh, around the uh, late 80s uh, through the middle 90s, people started coming forward and, and saying that, you know, we're behind the top circles. During the night, uh, we would create the, uh, the top circles using uh, primitive uh, farm equipment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it was all done in, in fun. It was just you know, they were just, uh, uh, you know, play a, a clever practical joke. But, you know, it snowballed in ways that they never anticipated. And, and so you, you have this group of people who still believe in crop circles, believing that there's something extraordinary going on, and hoaxes have actually come and admitted, hey, we're behind the hoax. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're behind... Uh, the myth. Uh, we we admit that what we did was a hurt, but they still don't believe it. They, they want to believe in something remarkable and serious and, and freakish. Uh, and so the more they're presented with evidence that this is hurt, the more they come back and say, no, no, uh, we're convinced that uh, UFOs or cults or, or what have you. And, you know, it, it's still going on uh, today. And I, right. I just find it interesting that even though there's so much evidence uh, to just say conclusively, you know, crop circles, they're just hope people go on believing what they want to believe. Yeah, that's true. And, uh, you know, just, it does have a lot to do with religion. I mean, religion's part of that. You know, some people are are so swayed on one way or the other, and uh, it's, it's kind of the same thing. So it has, does go down to your belief system. Oh, sure, a- absolutely. And that, that's, a, that's an entirely different subject. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess somebody's calling in for that one for sure. But uh, anyway, uh, that was the only question that came in, so... I am going to close it off. It is uh, a, little, a little after the hour. And we're still getting some kind of connection problem. I think it has to do with some weather between you, between here and, and uh, you. So um, I know we've been having a lot of uh, a lot of dust storms here in Arizona. Uh, we've got our monsoons early this year. So <laughs> yeah. So, um, so with that, I I thank you for your time again. This has has always been very interesting and and. Uh, you know, these well, kind of things we just sit around and talk about, you know? Sure. Uh, uh, I'll have to come back for a third time one of these days. There you go. You gotta, you know, when you get something that you're, you're researching, you want to uh, bounce it off somebody, just give me a call. <laughs> okay, that sounds great. 
It's been really nice talking to you. And with that, I'm going to say good night. Good night. All right. Thanks again. Thanks. That was Jonathan Maxwell, and this is Patty Holstrand. I'm going to take a brief break, and then I'm going to go over uh, some different shows that are coming up soon. Patty Holstrand is K World Radio, and I just wanted to go over some of our shows uh, com- coming up tomorrow. We've got Alexander Gaunt, and you can find a lot of information on him right on my blog. And that is, if I get it open. Okay. Alexander. Uh, his book is called Depths of Deception, and it's a Titanic fiction. Here's 1982, and a beautiful young woman dressed in Edwardian clothing is found floating unconscious in the North Atlantic and with a 1912 boarding pass to the RMS Titanic. Over in England, uh, an insurance investigator is assigned a case of the missing brooch that was stolen during a horrific unsolved murder in 1909, Glasgow. He is chosen because of his own grandfather who had botched the original investigation. Despite the painful family memory and likelihood that all evidence will be long gone, the investigator dives in as he begins to uncover the entangled truth that the missing brooch may have ended up in the ill-fated RMS Titanic Someone is one step ahead trying to stop him. So it sounds like a really good uh, intrigue. It's got some, you know, obviously a mystery. 
and it's all centered around the uh, historical Titanic. So he and I were discussing, as as uh, Jonathan Maxwell and I had to discuss uh, how he goes about to, uh, researching his historical facts in order to make sure that what he's writing is as close to nonfiction <laughs> in his section that he can. So that's tomorrow night, same time, same bat channel. 5.30 p.m. That would be 8.30 Eastern Time. And then um, we will have another virtual book tour with uh, Chet Shoup. We had talked to him as, uh, a few months ago on our station, and he's had a nonfiction book, Eden, and about the loss of intimacy in our society. Definitely worth the information if you didn't understand what this book was about during the show. Definitely take a look on my blog, and I'm going to leave that uh, that information on the blog. That way you guys can find it. Again, the information on uh, Alexander Gallant is a couple days old, so you'll need to scroll down. But definitely worth uh, reading because he's got uh, a, a little short guest blog on there as well, and obviously, obviously some excerpts from his uh, from his book. So definitely cool. He has won an award for his uh, research work, and um, and a lot of you guys who are really interested in the uh, vampires would definitely want to listen to that episode with him tomorrow. And then on Thursday, we also have another VBT, another virtual book tour with M.K. McClintock. And she's on her second book in her series called Gallagher's Hope. And then on Friday, a very good friend of mine, a local Arizona author from Sierra Vista, Arizona, Weston Osh, is going to be on with us. And you guys are really going to want to listen to that conversation. He's uh, very articulate and knows a lot of information. He writes horror and I know a lot of you are interested in that subject. And uh, he will discuss why horror writers are some of the sanest people he knows. So with that, I'm going to say goodnight. We did uh, quite a bit of things this week and next week won't be quite so heavy but then the week after we definitely have a lot going on. So Let's see us tomorrow night, 5.30 p.m. here. And that's 5.30 Mountain Time as well as Arizona Time and 8.30 Eastern Time. So with that, I'm going to say good night. This is Patty Holstrand and signing out for KWAD Radio. <laughs>